Welcome to the Headache 360 Podcast, a place to listen and learn about the diagnosis and treatment of chronic headache and migraine pain, because information can be the best medicine. Hello and welcome to the Headache 360 Podcast. This is uh, your host, Dr. Adam Lowenstein, and my guest today is Christine McCollum, and uh, Christine is actually one of my previous patients. Christine, thank you very, very much for joining me. And thank you for having me. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, for this, I really want to try and get the 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 world your story, uh, and I'm not really planning on leading you very much, so I'm going to ask you probably some open-ended questions and... Um, you know, I just I just kind of want to hear what you what you have to say. So, um, let's just start off with like, how are you? How are you doing today? What's um, what's going on in your life and uh, in your head? Uh, well, today I'm doing fantastic. Um, I am headache free. I am able to run and be active and go hiking. I am able to go to work full time again, which I previously was not able to do. I can play with my kids and take them to practice and spot them in gymnastics and play catch with them and video games, all those things that uh, I couldn't do for quite some time. So you're, it uh, sounds like you're busier than, uh, than, than you need to be potentially. But um, so I was, right, well, so in contrast with that, can we talk a little bit about what your life was like before you maybe even knew my name? Sure. Um, before I met you, um, probably August of 2015, I started having um, severe headaches. They come, they came on immediately. Um, nobody knew what they were from. It wasn't MS. It wasn't a tumor. Um, so I spent quite a long time trying to figure that out with a lot of doctors. Um, but I had some severe gait problems, which means that I had some a really hard time walking. I had to use a walker for about a year of my life. I couldn't walk down a, a long hallway without holding on to the wall. I didn't really spin, um, but I couldn't balance. So when you stand on your two feet, your whole body balances. I couldn't do that. I had to hold on to something else um, to be able to ambulate down the hallway. And at, for quite a bit of that time, I was in so much pain. Uh, I was in bed. I couldn't do bright lights. I couldn't do sound. I really couldn't read. I couldn't think very well. Um, so a lot of my normal kind of faculties were just super diminished and I really couldn't do much. I went to work for a couple hours, um, sat there, did very medial work and came home and got into bed and, and just repeated that every day. Uh, the weekends I just stayed in bed. I, so I really wasn't able to do a lot of living or enjoying my family or anything else. And so can you, so I guess when did this all start and what was, what, what preceded this? Like, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's work and then there's what you do. I mean, it's not like you're, you're not digging ditches. So can you talk a little bit about you, like your, your background and then what, what, what your life was maybe before you started to have these headaches and 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 the difference thereafter 
Sure. So I have engineering degrees and I work uh, for a defense contractor um, doing a lot of space related engineering. And so uh, math, science, um, reading, putting things together, analysis, uh, that's what I did for work. So um, clearly a desk job, but a lot of um, mental work on my part to be able to do work. Um, I was really at the height of my career. I was in some special leadership programs with my company. I was on a really large program, uh, chief systems engineer of a 250 person program. And my team you know, was around 55 people. So that's what I was able to manage pre-headaches. And you know, they, they found me a position to be able to do while I was coping with all of these, but it was nowhere near what I was capable of uh, prior to the headache starting. Uh, they started towards the end of August of 2015. Prior to that, I was doing a lot of CrossFit three times a week, about an hour every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I was doing Spartan races, the Boulder Boulder, which is a 10K, some 5Ks, uh, the Rugged Maniac, which is a, a small uh, obstacle course race up on the side of um, the mountains. And so I was pretty active doing racing and running and exercising. Um, and then my job and my kids were, I think, first first and third grade at the time. And so, you know, we did lots of activities with them outside and, and in the house. Did, can, so, so then your headaches oh. came on and then can you kind of, I guess, uh, next. I, okay, I, <laughs> the next parts. Yeah, so what's next? What's next? So, uh, you know, one week I started not feeling very well. Uh, I started having some numbness and tingling down uh, my arms. Really, really didn't look well at work. It was a Thursday. My boss sent me home. Uh, woke up the next day and said, I really need to go to the doctor. And that's really when it started. Really wasn't moving very well. Head hurt a lot. Um, but it got to the point that day that my headache was so severe, I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. I was trying urgently to text my husband to come home and take me to the emergency room because something was really, really wrong. Um, so I went in, they did MRIs of my brain, my neck, blood work, uh, you name it. Um, but everything had come back normal. I did have quite a bit of hyper reflexes. So the doctors really had fun hitting my reflexes that day. Um, but no explanations. Uh, they told me I wasn't going to die. I had nothing severe and to go home and schedule an appointment with neurology, which was in about two or three weeks. So, and I'm thinking so far, a lot of people are, are identifying with all of this, which is kind of why I want you to go through. I think a lot of people have this. And, and I would imagine when you had these things happening, you were kind of both scared, puzzled, and additionally, just kind of feeling uh, alone. It, it, because it doesn't sound like this is not something that when it happens to you, you're thinking, oh, you know, I have, I'm sneezing. I've seen other people sneeze. I know that this is okay, right? So, um, you know, I think that uh, a lot of people that I see have these, these histories uh, and these experiences, and they feel like nobody knows what they're talking about. So um, I, I, that's kind of why I'm, I'm trying to get you to talk about all of these different things so patients can understand we, I have patients all the time that say I'm dizzy. You know, what does this? What does it mean? And um, I, I tell them that that's that's not an infrequent kind of thing to not be able to hold your balance. But anyway, I'm interrupting and I'm going to stop there. So you keep going. So 
Um, in the process of waiting my two weeks to go to neurology, uh, I had seen my primary care physician again. He um, he really thought that I had some kind of mental illness, I think, at the at that time, because I was having such a hard time standing, squatting, walking, and I was in so much pain, I just needed some relief. And so he um, prescribed some uh, antidepressants to see if that would help with pain. Um, they don't. They didn't for me. Um, he gave me amitriptyline um, to start with, but I had previously tried to take that for some nerve pain in my arm, and it really didn't help, and the side effects were so bad that it wasn't really a good option for me, and so I just I waited. I was scared. Nobody knew in my family what was going on with me, and so I saw the neurologist, and he really had no answers. He scheduled a lot of blood work which all came back normal. He was testing for vitamin deficiencies um, uh, and, and lots of other things. And then probably around October, I scheduled my first lumbar puncture. And here's where it gets a little little odd for me, maybe unique, that uh, that lumbar puncture resulted in a, a semi-high spinal fluid pressure. And so they started me on Diamox and they thought I had too much uh, cerebral spinal fluid. And so the Diamox didn't work. He told me to lose weight. I was a little overweight, but not morbidly obese by any means. And so that went on. I had lumbar punctures to drain spinal fluid and massive doses of Diamox and see neuro-ophthalmologists to make sure my vision wasn't impaired, all of side effects from this intracranial hypertension, which ended up I really didn't have until... I don't know, I had a, a lumbar puncture June 30th of 2017, and it ended up with a spinal leak and no relief and a normal pressure. And so clearly now the neurologist was stumped, and they no longer now had a cause for my headache. And nobody can explain why I got relief from the lumbar punctures, why my pressure was only at the top range of normal. Um, so that continued for two years, and I was about mostly normal. I could go to work. I could function for the most part, but every six to eight weeks I'd have to go um, and get my spinal fluid drained. And so that was a whole weird thing for two years. Um, and then in the summer of 2017, I really started doing research because I ended up on disability. I could no longer work full time. I really couldn't run. I, I was really having uh, what was the beginning of a very difficult time living and functioning as a human where I was a, a very high functioning and high performance person before that. And so I started seeing different doctors. I went to PT. I went to, they did more MRIs of the rest of my spine. They did more MRIs of my brain, of my neck, um, all the different treatments um, that they were giving to me, um, more steroid injections, those helped for a couple weeks, but only um, with some of the headache pain and not the other things. They did facet injections in six um, areas of my neck. That helped the first time, but didn't help the second time. It was incredibly painful. I took um, two different types of anti-seizure medications, a couple different other antidepressants, none of which helped me and provided any relief, and the side effects were so severe that um, I couldn't take them anymore. I was nauseous all the time, and this is where I really was bedridden, and so 
I ended up on long-term disability, which I don't think anybody in their life really wants to be on. It's very scary. It's quite depressing to not be able to to function and have to go on that and rely on it. I was very happy that I had that option as a benefit, but didn't really ever want to use it. Um, so let's see. Then I started on my journey to figure out what was wrong with me. Um, it was clear that the doctors were stumped. I had seen a physiatrist and you know, she works with neurosurgeons. I'm trying to figure out why my walking was such an issue. I had seen a couple neurosurgeons. Um, one couldn't figure out why I was in his office. Um, I saw, we went out to Mayo Clinic to see if we could uh, get a different perspective from a neurologist there. I mean, he couldn't find anything wrong with me and wanted to redo a lot of testing that I had done. I had also done an online um, neurosurgical consult with um, a place out in New York. Uh, the name escapes me right, right now, but he reviewed all of my x-rays and MRIs and, and everything else. And he really told me, he said, I can't find anything structurally wrong with you. And I said, what do I do? And he said, you need to start from the beginning again and wipe everything off your diagnosis list and restart your symptoms and go find somebody to start fresh. Because at the time I had probably 20 different diagnoses. Um, that's also super unfortunate and very common. Uh, yep. we, you know, we, we've got a lot of patients with that. And it was frustrating because if you look at this, the symptom list and the diagnosis, I mean, there are lots of overlaps. And so they weren't real true diagnosis where they were uh, much more symptoms like tinnitus or nausea or the gait issues and things like that and no real cause. And so the pain doctors that I had been seeing really couldn't help me anymore. And so I started looking up uh, headache pain maps. And I found one and it looked exactly like mine. It was in my neck. It was in the back of my head. And I said, oh my gosh, I think I know what's wrong with me. And it was occipital neuralgia. And so I had seen a PA in neurology in the uh, summer of uh, 2017, maybe. And he said occipital neuralgia. And I kind of chuckled and he, he looked at me and said, why are you laughing? And I said, well, I was going to ask you about that because that's where my pain is. My pain doesn't move. It's always in the same spot every day. And then when I had flares, um, they would really wrap around my hair, head and go much farther. And so we started the nerve blocks, um, got relief. And Christine, let me oh, just yeah. ask you b mm -hmm. before, w just going back, and you, you talked about you had lots of different diagnoses. Mm -hmm. um, had you been diagnosed with migraine? No. Okay. That wasn't um, other, one of them. Other types of um, headaches, or was it all just variable? It was all very neurologic issues. Yeah, it was all very generic. I think they did uh, the like I can't remember the name of it. It was the constant headache or persistent headache. Um, daily persistent headache. Um, daily persistent headache. Yes. Yeah. Um, but nothing else um, in terms of a headache. Just okay. Just very generic things. Um, so that was probably the second headache diagnosis I got was the ON, um, but it fit more. I mean, they had given me other medications to rule out the other types of headaches with um, that would uh, hemi. What is it? Hemi. Hemiplegic the, migraine. Yeah, and so they had given me some of those medications to kind of rule those things out. Mm -hmm. um, but they were really stumped. 
and I wasn't really responding well to some most of the treatment they were providing. Um, but the nerve blocks worked for a couple weeks at a time, which was a good relief. Um, but after about three times of that, they they said that's not the right treatment for you. Try something different, and they didn't have anything else to offer other than facet injections, which I said really weren't um, very helpful. And so this went on and I started seeing lots of doctors and I just started scheduling with every doctor, different type of doctor that I could until I could get some answers. And then um, I had Kaiser, they sent me to their pain management clinic and I got to see a pain doctor, um, psychologist, they had a nurse and then a PT and it was I think a 12 or 16 week program. And that doctor really advocated for me so he did some additional testing. He got me to uh, the university hospital in Denver and to a headache specialist there. And he thought of some other ideas with um, an atlas instability um, and some other stability issues in the neck. And then he got me to the chief neurosurgeon um, at the university. And between the two of them, they walked through, I mean, I had, by then I had done every testing and imaging imaginable including upright MRIs and cervical spine x-rays and and everything else and so the neurosurgeon really took a lot of time to walk through every single image and why my nerve roots weren't a problem and really sold me on there was really nothing wrong with my neck because that's really what I thought was wrong with me I just thought it was in my neck I thought they could fix my neck and then my nerves would be happy and I could just go on and and be a normal kind of person again and I got to say, I mean, I think you've got really, really good neurosurgical care because um, a, a more common thing is that um, even small changes that are seen pretty much in everybody's neck um, are interpreted as the problem. And so many of my patients have had previous C-spine surgery uh, because they didn't have uh, neurosurgeons like you did who said, you know, it's operating on your on your spine is not the the first line um so uh again really kudos to to the to the surgeons that you saw that that was very fortunate for you and it's probably worth noting i had all of those small abnormalities that you would have you know i was 40 when i saw that neurosurgeon i was 38 when this started and you know i thought it was a disc and yeah. um it, it wasn't. Um, yeah. I had all those little I mean, bulging things and arthritis, but that really wasn't the root cause of my headaches. But again, it's, you know, a lot of surgeons take that opportunity to operate, you know, so um, yeah. that's, Thank really, that's, that's, that's great that, uh, that you didn't have to go through that. And so that was January, uh, February, uh, January of 2019. And at that point, I had been doing the online research to figure out about decompression surgery um and really my next step after seeing him was to contact somebody like you uh, i didn't have any other options i didn't have any other doctors i did ask the neurosurgeon about decompression surgery he actually indicated that he had done it a couple times but he didn't really get good results and that that wasn't really his specialty mm-hmm. and so that kind of reinforced that i needed to go find the right surgeon and the right person to help me and I started doing research um, on plastic surgeons that did decompression surgery. And I found five, around five. Uh, one was on the East Coast, and um, that was kind of too far for me. 
and some of his patients. I didn't really love the reviews. I found one in Texas, but I had a really difficult time connecting with that doctor. Um, one up in Northern California, a really respected, uh, grew up in Sacramento, didn't really want to go to San Francisco because it's just difficult um, to get around. And, and then I found you and, um, you know, it was great that you come to Denver. Um, that was really, uh, an important thing for me. It was difficult for me to travel. And so I was very happy to do my, um, consultation with you here in Denver. It made it so much easier. And it was a big part of, um, why I chose you and, and your reputation and, and the, and all the care that you were being able to provide. So I remember I, I sent your office an email at the end of January and uh, heard back the next day and, and started scheduling time to meet with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember the first time we met um, very well uh, because literally, literally you were holding on to the couch and holding on to the wall and um, yeah, you were in uh, in a whole world of distress. So um, I guess, and I, I got to say, I, I like to usually um, get involved in these conversations, but you are just, uh, you're doing a great job of explaining uh, a lot, which is, again, I, I, my goal is to get patients who feel like they are unique and again, everybody's unique, and I'm, I'm not trying to make anybody less special. But in sometimes, sometimes it's good to know that there are other people like you, and and uh, you're doing a great job of talking about things that I hear from from patients all the time. So, I guess the next thing is, you, so we found each other, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and then uh, so so can you talk a little bit about what it's like from a patient perspective to, you know uh come in what what the experience was like uh as far as our our consultation and and how things went from there yeah i'd be happy to so you know the first time i saw you i'm pretty sure i was holding my breath i know i was really nervous you know this this was like my last hope um you know if you told me you couldn't help me i'm sure i would have continued to find other avenues but i was really running into dead ends everywhere and and didn't have many options left and so as much as i was praying and holding my breath um that you were the one who could help me i was very very nervous um and you know i think you relaxed me a little bit and you know you did your nerve blocking one at a time um you know i won't lie that hurts a little bit but um in a different way than the constant headache and you did one injection at a time and and took the time to hear about all of the other things, you know, in between while we were waiting for the rest of my head to go numb. I can't remember how many injections you did, but it was quite a bit because <laughs> it was four. Uh, yeah, I remember that one nerve. Uh, it wasn't quite where we thought it was. And, um, you know, by the end of the, the consultation, my the whole back of my head was numb and I had no pain left. And I remember you saying that you could help me um, and that it was my choice. And pretty sure I didn't cry, but probably wanted to. Um, And so that was the consultation. And I think I had surgery exactly one month later, um, March 19th. I actually remember some of these dates very well uh, because they were life-changing for me. Uh, So March 19th, 2019, uh, I flew in the day before. I think that was a Tuesday. 
so my husband and I flew in on Monday night or Monday, probably during the day, saw you uh, late afternoon and you did a couple more nerve blocks to make sure we had the right area. You talked me through the surgery and what you were going to do um, and got me all ready. I had all my medications that I brought with me that you prescribed um, for before, during, and after uh, the procedure. And then and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to inject myself here. Sure. The, so one of the things that may not be clear is I, uh, I saw you in Denver. Um, I have my surgery center, uh, that I do these surgeries uh, is in Santa Barbara. Um, so that's why you were flying. Um, cause I get, I've, uh, a lot of people come from distance to see us. So we have kind of protocols and right now as we're recording this, um, you know, that we're in the world of COVID right now, which has made all of this much, much more difficult. I wish I could have patients uh, just fly in and uh, two days later operate on them because now we have to get COVID tests and some periods of isolation. And, uh, you know, I've got patients from Europe and Canada and whatnot that are kind of waiting for things to get better before they can come. But the point of what I'm trying to say is, um, I, well, I do see patients in, um, in various areas. We do the surgery here because we have a team here that really knows what they're doing. And, um, it's not, uh, it's not a kind of operation that's really, uh, done well in, in, um, with staff who doesn't really understand what we're doing. So, so when Christine says that she came, that she flew in, she flew into Santa Barbara, um, you stayed at a local hotel. Is that right, Christine? I did. Right down the street. Right. Maybe two blocks. Right down the street. Yeah. And um, and so, okay. So I just wanted to, to clarify that. Um, and so we did your surgery on a Thursday? Tuesday. Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. Um, and then you want to talk about how that was? Sure. So, um came in early in the morning and you drew a whole bunch of lines on my head and my neck and shaved the back of my head. Um, and you know, it was like a little strip up the middle. So yeah, um, I didn't shave the whole back. Of your head. <laughs> it wasn't the whole back of my head. It was just a strip up the middle. This <laughs> is a strip um, in the middle. And then I put my initials and then, you know, you also, right. You wanted something like the logo of the Denver nugget. So I put some of that on. No, I'm just kidding. So it was just a, it's just a strip in the back of, in the back of your head that I, that I shaved. Yep. And, uh, you know, that wasn't a big deal. Um, you know, you got me ready for surgery and, uh, your, your, your anesthesiologist came in and started my IV and all that pre-op stuff. I remember him giving me some anti-nausea medication. And at that point, I don't remember a whole lot other than, um, walking into the operating room, getting on the table. And then the next thing I know I was waking up. Well, that's that's his job. So that's I'm glad uh, that's 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 what you should remember. So that's good. He, he did it well. Um, and so I remember when I woke up. I think you were there right away, um, and you wanted to know if I could walk. And that was that was how I woke up. You asked me if I could walk, and I think I told you I had just woken up and I needed to try. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm an anxious guy. I like to make sure that we're helping people immediately. Um, so all right, but, fair enough. But I can tell you that my headache was gone immediately. Uh, my head was numb. 
quite a bit numb. People kind of say it feels like a helmet head. Um, you know, I don't really remember all of that now, but I remember it being fairly numb, um, not being able to feel it, which is probably a good thing. I think it helped with a lot of the post-operative pain that I may have felt if it wasn't numb. Um, but your team got me up and ambulating, and I remember I was able to walk again. Uh, but I went back to the hotel. Um, I was not allowed to walk. He wouldn't let me walk down the street to the hotel. So we, 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 we caught a ride and went back to the hotel. Uh, at that point, I know, I remember I felt a little nauseous and you said, do not throw up. Whatever you do, don't throw up. So I remember taking an anti-nausea pill and sleeping for several hours, um, got up and my husband said, we need to eat. And so we were walking down the stairs at the hotel to the market right across the street and Chad said you're not holding on and and Chad is my husband and I said oh you're right you know there were I had some things that I had to do before surgery to be able to walk which was I really had to look at my feet I had to hold on to handrails and I was walking normally again and it was immediate um, it wasn't a waiting period for me. My my walking came back right away, and I felt really, really good, um, even though I had just had surgery for, I think, four and a half hours. Um, but we, I don't know if you want to interject. Yeah, I mean, so a couple of things. It's, you know, it's not that you can't throw up whatever you do. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> saying that. And I'm, I may have said that, but it also may just how you remember it. We give you medication so you to try and um, not throw so up. So you don't throw up. But w- w- when you throw up, you increase your blood pressure. Uh, and so whenever we operate in the head and neck, um, if we can avoid people throwing up, we do because we don't want to, to, I mean, it's not a pleasant thing for the patient in the first place, but we also don't want you to increase your, your blood pressure and whatnot in, in and around your, your incision. And when we do the surgery, I, I put a, a bunch of local anesthesia uh, around the incisions itself, so so you're hopefully not in a, in a whole lot of uh, pain afterwards. Um, but it's I, I love this story about um, you not holding on. That's uh, I actually hadn't heard this. So, <laughs> um, so you may not know the next part either. So we walked across the street to the market, uh, and the market right next to the hotel is great. Um, they had some chicken salad, which I think is what I had. Um, and some crackers and Gatorade. I mean, it was a great little market to to have right across the street when you have surgery because they had everything I needed and it was fresh food. So that was nice. Um, and we ran into, uh, one of your staff at the market. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know about this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I, he told me to walk and he told me to eat. So I'm walking in my eating. So, uh, we, we got our food <laughs> in. and, uh, at that time we could, we sat outside just to get some fresh air. They had a little picnic table outside, and we could eat outside. So we we had a little bit of food and and walked back over. And to It's just hotel. a little shout out to McConnell's <laughs> Market. That's what it's called. It's, uh, it's, it's a great. It's a it great was spot. great. It was great. It, it was perfect. And uh, you know, we ate. I ate a little bit, and then we went back to the hotel. And I'm pretty sure I took some pain medication and slept. And um, I did bring my pillow. Um, I brought my favorite little blanket as well, so that I could be comfortable and just have a couple things from home. And, um, you know, the hotel was fine. I was comfortable. It was a little hard sleeping on the back of my head, so I slept on my side. And so that was Tuesday. I think I saw you Wednesday um, at some point so you could check the incision and things and see how I was doing. And then I think I saw you Friday morning. 
and then we Ubered uh, to In and Out, had a cheeseburger, and then to the airport. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a really funny story. I'm going to get everybody. So this is all, this is all great, but I'm going to tell you a very funny story separate to this. Um, I have some friends in plastic surgery, and when we go to the plastic surgery meetings, we always pick a really nice restaurant locally to, to eat at. <laughs> and I'm actually from Washington, D.C., and there was a meeting in Washington, D.C., and uh, so we went to this place called Citronelle, which is uh, it a, it's no longer there, but it's it a great restaurant. And the... Um, the the wine guy, uh, the sommelier, uh, was a very famous sommelier, and he had just gotten what's called the James Beard Award, which is about the biggest award you can get in food. And so we were just talking to him, and it turns out that he had previously been here in Santa Barbara to try and open a branch of this restaurant many, many years before. And so he, um, he this is so totally irrelevant uh, to this, to your story, but... Um, so he was telling us about, uh, you know, being in Santa Barbara and trying to train people for, for the restaurant here. And so I asked him, I said, listen, just, I'm curious, you know, you've been to Santa Barbara. What, what do you think the best restaurant, the best food in Santa Barbara is? And what did he say? in and out in and out burger. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. All right. That's my little, uh, caveat there. Okay. So you went to in and out burger. <laughs> we went to in and out and then we please, went to the airport. Go on. Yep, so we went to the airport. Uh, I think we had a, I don't know, mid-morning, early afternoon flight and uh, flew back to Denver. I remember the flight being okay. I don't remember being in much pain by Friday, um, but my post-surgical pain was pretty minimal. I didn't really take uh, the narcotics very long, maybe a few days and then maybe a few nights, um, but mostly it was just Tylenol and, and maybe some Advil, but I, I felt really good. And so traveling really wasn't uh, a problem, and I had my husband to carry my backpack and purse and luggage because um, that was a big no-no. Uh, right. So I did. I don't like people <laughs> carrying or yeah doing that kind of stuff right after um, surgery. And so we got home, and I that was Friday, and I think you know after that it was went for some walks during the day, um, maybe a mile, a couple miles to get out every you know, couple days uh, to make sure I was moving. Um, my mom lived around the corner at the time and would come over and make sure I was good because my husband had to go back to work. Um, but I felt so good. I needed to make sure that I didn't overdo it. And so I had to make sure I took my nap. I rested. I had some good food um, and, you know, wasn't going out running. But walking seemed to be really good. And it was spring, summer. So it was beautiful outside. Um, so my re that was my recovery. Um, and I went back to work six weeks later. Um, I think Did I went... Did you get a new job? Uh, that was later. That was after the second okay. surgery. And so I remember I went back after six weeks. Um, that was... Uh, what was authorized with the disability company. I did go back part-time because um, my, I, I think it's important for everybody to remember being in so much pain and having so many bizarre symptoms and for such long periods of time, um, your body really needs to recover. And, and so I wanted to make sure that I was recovered because there was no way I wanted to go through the last four years again. By this point, it was almost four years. And so I took the six weeks off, I recovered, I went back part-time. I can't remember how long maybe a month and part-time was about uh, I think 15 to 20 hours a week um, to make sure that I wasn't overdoing it because 
I was still tired. Um, my body was still trying to heal. Um, and then I do remember, I know I saw you probably every month for the next four or five months. Um, I remember at one point my headache did come back, um, and you did give me a couple of injections of, um, steroids, I think. Um, no, it was, I, maybe it was just lidocaine. It was just lidocaine. Lidocaine. Yeah. Um, and I think you remember telling me that my nerve may have just been angry from the surgery because you had done a lot of work right. on it. And um, that did the trick. And so for the, yeah, for the first three to six months after surgery, it's not uncommon for people to have recurrent headaches. I mean, that's, that's, and it's not, it's not a predictor of how the long-term outcome is. So <clears throat> I think this is very important for people to understand that. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you did have some, some headache after surgery. I did. Um, it certainly was not as bad as before. And it was really mine. I think that was on the right side. Um, and so you had done the injections and, you know, the pain went away right away. And I don't remember it ever coming back that way again. Um, and actually, Christine, I'm just going inter- to interject one more thing here. I don't even think we actually talked about what surgery that you had. So, you, oh. you know, at your and there's more surgery to be had here in a little bit, you guys, yeah. as a spoiler alert. But <laughs> we did your bilateral mm-hmm. uh, greater occipital nerve decompression, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And lesser occipital nerve, uh, right? You, I remember you cut the third and the lessers. Yeah. So, and you right, decompressed so, the yes. greaters. And I did some, so this is all occipital. Mm-hmm. surgery so okay so go on uh please. so um at that point i still had well i had ear pain um really really bad ear pain especially in my right ear and that had come back and you and i spent quite a bit of time talking about why and what could cause it and um you had done some nerve blocks of my great auricular nerve and uh, the ear pain had gone away. And I remember you asking me, if there's one thing you can do to help me, what would it be? And I said, just cut that nerve. <laughs> just cut it out. I don't need it anymore. Um, and I just needed so the, the ear pain the, the, to go yeah, away. <laughs> and so that was my perspective. Nerve, yeah, the, you know, that's not a common problem that, that, that you had with that. And, uh, um, but... Following you know, a lot of times, people complain of ear pain, and it's we can take care of the lesser occipital nerve, and, and that helps things. But in your case, um, you had persistent ear pain, and I I wasn't sure what was causing it, so I thought maybe it was the greater auricular nerve. And the greater auricular nerve is a more superficial nerve, and it comes uh, down below the ear, and it's not something is usually addressed in in headache surgery. Um, but when you responded to the the nerve block, that was an indication to me that this was a nerve that needed to be addressed. And the great auricular nerve is actually a nerve that we, as plastic surgeons, when we're learning facelifts, we learn to stay away from this nerve because if you cut it accidentally, your ear goes numb. And when you don't have a problem with your ear and you get a facelift and you wake up with a numb ear, you're often not very happy. So um, we've, as plastic surgeons, gotten pretty good at staying away from that. But in your case, um, I thought it was a good idea to go and find it and, like you just said, and cut it. So I guess that was that was round two. That was the next surgery that we did, right? That was round two. So that was July. So the first one was uh, mid-March. And then uh, Chad and I flew out again. And I, I remember uh, this one was tricky because um, you did some nerve blocks the day before surgery. And we really weren't getting it 
Um, and maybe it was the, the day of surgery, um, but I remember we had a hard time figuring out right where that nerve was um, to make that pain go away. Um, and and so head surgery again. I think it was a much shorter surgery. And yeah. uh, I remember... It's a bigger incision, but a smaller <laughs> surgery, right? It was a bigger incision. Um, I did ask you not to cut behind my ear, so um, I was happier with the larger incision on my neck. Um, just, I guess, personal preference. I don't didn't think I wanted stitches right behind my ear. Um, and so I talked you into that <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you can't see this, you can't see it from the front. So it, it was okay with yeah. me. Uh, and actually nobody ever sees it. Um, my hair either cover is it, but it's, it's, it's not the, the incision, yeah. although it, it's long, it's, it's very, very thin and, and it's not noticeable, but anyway, so. And, and just to, again, just to revisit this, the, the surgery, the, the scars from your first surgery. Mm-hmm. Can anybody see those scars? Only if I point them out and show them. Yeah, and and most of it is back in your hair, right? That, yeah, that I have the big one in my since hair. We shaved it, right? Yeah. Um, but this is a when we do this surgery again, it's a very specialized mm-hmm. circumstance. But this yeah. is a surgery kind of near the ear that we have to to yeah. address the nerve that that feeds the ear. So yep. anyway, I'm sorry once again. Thank <laughs> you. Go on. So stop interrupting. Uh, so I remember waking up uh, and you said, can you feel your ears? Um, this is, you know, my perspective. And uh, I could still feel my ears. And I know that both of us were nervous. Um, I don't remember being in pain, but I think we were both nervous because I could still feel my ear. Um, yeah. And I, I remember you couldn't really find the big trunk on the left side. Um, and so you had cut maybe some of the um, smaller branches right. that come smaller out. Smaller branches. And... And uh, I remember seeing you Friday, and there was some big parade in Santa Barbara. And uh, but I was feeling amazing again. My ear didn't hurt, yay. And uh, and so I was I was able to go home, um, you know, shortly after after that. And I remember I saw you maybe one or two more times. I think two more times after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we were running out of uh, reasons to see each other because my pain was <laughs> my pain was gone and my incisions were healed. Um, and you know I so that surgery I stayed home I think for four weeks. Um, I really didn't need a full six weeks, and then I ended up going back full time. And that was the first time in almost probably two years um, that I was able to go back 40 hours a week. And uh, I think. The week I went back is when I gave my notice and I um, switched companies because I started my new job in mid-September. And 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 so I actually had, yeah, it it was an it was amazing because it, it it gave me the opportunity to go do some new things that I I really wanted to do in my career. Can you say who you work for? Or is that allowed? Or is that a security uh, issue no i <laughs> it's not a security thing um i work for ball aerospace right now um and uh we we moved a few weeks after i had surgery so you know i couldn't do a lot of the the lifting or things like that um so i had a lot of help moving um with my family and 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 things like that but we were able to to move i started a new job the kids started new schools um you know, probably 35, 40 minutes away from where we lived. Um, and it was much closer to my husband's work as well in Boulder. But 
if I hadn't had the surgeries, there was no way that we would have been able to consider moving and changing jobs um, because I was just so disabled. Um, and, and, and so now can you also chat a little bit about your like physical activity? Sure. Um, so uh, again, with restrictions of COVID and daily you know, activities of raising yeah. children and things like that. But um, I think this is important because I think people lose sight of what is possible when, you know, when you're just having problems with your balance and problems with the pain and, and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, you know, somebody had asked me, was I nervous um, after I had the surgery to be active again? And the absolute honest truth is I was, um, you know, probably for about a good year. And I'm almost, I'm almost two years out now from uh, when I had my, my first surgery. And so I was quite, quite a bit nervous. Um, that October, I did a 5k. Um, I was starting to try to run and that was a, probably a little too soon, a little too much. Um, but I walked it with my daughter. Um, it was the eerie, eerie, um, for, and it was uh, right at the end of October for Halloween. And, you know, I walked 3.1 miles. Um, I would have never been able to do that uh, without the surgery. And so that was that was triumph number one. Um, I was really a little upset. I couldn't run, but my legs just, they didn't want to run at that point. Um, and I needed to do a little bit more conditioning and, and weight training to get my body kind of back um, into doing that. So that was the first four months. <laughs> I walked a, a 5k and then, um, COVID happened in March. And so all the races that I had signed up for last year got canceled. And so I said, okay, well I can go hiking. <laughs> so I've been on six mile hikes up in the Rocky mountains, uh, literally straight uphill and straight downhill. Uh, not sure what I was thinking on some of those, but I've been able no to No railings, though. No railings. No, in fact, yeah. uh, the last one that I did, uh, I had to, like, climb up some rocks and shimmy down, and my daughter had broken her hand, so my niece and I were picking her up and pulling her up and down because and, she could only use one hand, and there were some <laughs> pretty bizarre places on this trail. Um, we don't pick easy ones. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's really interesting, and that's the hardest one? Let's go do that one. And, oh. <laughs> you know, well, there's a lot around where you are. So there there's, are there's a lot of good options around uh, Denver and Boulder and such. And so where I'm not, you know, running road races right now because of COVID, I'm going out and enjoying the outdoors. Um, I can spot my daughter in her gymnastics in our basement with our, our little mock gym and and things like that. And so I couldn't do any of those things before. Um, I'm not really scared anymore about, uh, you know, disrupting all the things that you fixed in the back of my head. Um, but there is that that thought, and it took me probably a good year to get over it, which is I don't want to mess this up again. Um, so I, I'm cautious. I'm not doing CrossFit anymore. I probably will never do CrossFit again. Uh, but I do go to the gym and the rec center uh, with all the proper precautions, of course, and you know do some weight training in the basement. And and you know I picked up a barbell for the first time probably three or four months ago, and and did some you know, 50 pound deadlifts. Um, I was probably doing 150 before to 200 pounds on deadlifts before, but you know, I can, I can go do things again. It's in moderation. Um, but well, conditioning, it, you need to, I mean, this is it. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's a, do any kinds of surgery. It, I, I had a patient once who got upset with me because 
it's not she didn't even have migraine surgery or headache <laughs> surgery she had she had something else and uh she asked you know afterwards i say you know a month you, you after a month you can start to gently start activity again but you got to start slow yep and she said, you know, before surgery, I could do 300 sit-ups, and now I can only do uh, 75. And I'm sitting there going, you shouldn't be doing 75 <laughs> sit-ups, you know, three days after I release you. You know, you should do five, and then 10. And then, you know, I mean, yeah. after you take a month off at, for surgery for any reason, you're, you know, you're not, conditioning is, yeah. is, is, a, is a big deal. And so. and so it's, you know, everything in moderation Will I ever be as strong as I was before? I don't know if I have that desire, but um, I know that I can go run. I know that I can go do some conditioning and weightlifting and um, within moderation. And, you know, I'm every now and again, I'll get a headache from stress at work and I can take a couple Tylenol and a few Advil and it goes away. Um, and I couldn't do that That's before. Awesome. And and so where I'm not, I mean, 100% headache free, I think, is an unrealistic goal. Because I think everybody, even without this condition, will get a headache, attention headache, or right. regular headache, or whatever. Um, normal but, headaches are normal. And yeah. If I can get everybody just back to normal headaches, yep. that's that's a, that's a goal. So I'm not I'm not freaked out about getting a headache. I you know occasionally I do get one, and I take some Tylenol, and I'm good to go. Um, but I I know how to treat it, and I can treat it, um, which I couldn't do before. It just didn't work before, and so. I'm, you know, my daughter says she doesn't, she didn't remember who I was because she was in first grade when it started and she's 11 now in sixth grade and she loves having her mom back and I'm sure my son enjoys it too when he's not playing his video games, uh, <laughs> but it, it had a really big impact on my daughter. Um, she was five or six when it started and she loves hanging out with me and plane and you know my husband loves having me back because I can do stuff around the house with him now and 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 so it's wonderful that's great well yeah I mean that's 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 all you can ever want to hear as a surgeon to uh to have been able to to be involved in something like that so that's I'm I'm, I'm I really I'm very appreciative of your comfort in sharing all of this uh with people and I I certainly hope that uh, it gets <clears throat> some hope to people who have situations like you do. I mean, I think that that hopelessness and uh, uh, solid—not solitude—isolation, feeling isolated and 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 like there's nowhere to look and to for help is is one of the worst parts of of migraines and occipital neuralgia and 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 these kinds of headache syndromes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, you, it sounds from from my standpoint, you had really good care before you came to see me, which is which is fortunate. There's just not really much to do except what we did for you that mm-hmm. that would make you better. Um, so it's not the fault of the people who who helped you before before that you you, you saw me because there's not really much they could have done to make things better. But you you know you had a good diagnosis. I think a lot of people who have pain in the back of their head and potentially, you know, again, on the side and their ears and whatnot are getting all different kind of headache diagnoses, mm-hmm. migraine diagnoses. Um, and, uh, you know, what we find is that these nerves 
um, in the back of the head and some in the front that you didn't particular your, your case didn't have um, issues with the nerves in the front of the head, but you know we treat everybody individually, and a lot of people have neuralgias of the occipital nerves or the supraorbital nerves above the eyes and things like that, and um, uh, it's just finding somebody who can understand what's going on can be a really difficult difficult uh, thing when you're getting all of this different information and nobody's really helping. No, and they, you know, I saw a lot of doctors, um, a lot, like over 20 in a two to three year period of time. And they really, I had such odd symptoms. They didn't put them together. Um, they didn't think that they could be connected. Um, you know, I had some, you know, people out there might have diagnosis with functional illness. Um, I had one doctor who told me if I learned how to breathe, I'd be able to walk again and, and that she didn't know why I had all the other symptoms. <laughs> and, yeah, well. it, you know, it was really unfortunate because <laughs> I knew there was something wrong with me and all of my symptoms started at the same time. And I didn't want to be on disability. I wanted, I wanted my life back. Um, you know, I did have good care, but my doctors were at a total loss of how to help me. They just didn't, they didn't know what to do for yeah. me. And that's, that's when people tend to stumble into my office. Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's the, the people who um, have not been able to find help in, in, in other, with other physicians and uh, are, you know, I, I hear all the time, people say that they've been to like 20 doctors and nobody can help me and, yep. you know, and, and are very skeptical about seeing me as well because they don't think that, you know, I can, and I can't help everybody, but honestly, the majority of the people that, uh, that we see, uh, we can, we can help. So that's, that's, that's a fortunate thing for us. But, um, I, again, I really, really, I mean, lots more reallys really appreciate you sharing your, uh, your story with us, Christine. And, uh, I wish you ongoing best, uh, and uh, hopefully all this COVID stuff will <laughs> get better soon, and um, we can all go back to enjoying our lives um, to the best that we can. So yes, well, thank you for having me, and um, you know, I hope yeah. I hope this helps people relate a little bit. Um, I, I you've done a fantastic job of of. <laughs> Uh, explaining a lot I think it's going to help a lot of people and I really really appreciate it so oh you are so welcome and thank you for helping us you know get back to normal no oh, well that's absolutely my pleasure you got a great family and mm -hmm. uh, um, it's, it's absolute pleasure to work with so thank you um all right well um again um Thanks to our listeners for uh, for tuning in, and uh, I hope this was helpful. Um, please, if you get a moment to, uh, you know, uh, I don't even remember how this works. You got to like a podcast, or I think you subscribe. Um, again, most of my world is spent actually operating on people, um, as opposed to being a professional podcaster. So. Um, do you know do do what uh, everybody else asks you to do when you listen to podcasts um and uh please feel free to uh, get a hold of us at uh at our offices um our website is headachesurgery.com 
and our phone number is 805-969-9004. And um, there's a lot of information online, so we really try to keep the webs <coughs> excuse me the website as educational as possible. So I really encourage people to uh, check things out there. And uh, again, thanks to Christine. And uh, until uh, next time, uh, again, thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Lowenstein once again, and I have two last things to ask of you. Firstly, the thing you can do for fellow headache sufferers is to please remember to subscribe and rate our podcast. The more ratings and subscriptions that we get, the more visibility that we'll get, and the more listeners will be able to find us, and the more help and information we'll be able to provide the huge population of people who suffer from headache pain. Secondly, please remember that the treatment of headaches of all types is very individualized. The purpose of this podcast is not to give medical advice, so please use the information here on this podcast and elsewhere that you hear on the internet to broaden your knowledge, but consult with your physician before acting on any information that you hear on podcasts or see on YouTube or read anywhere on the internet. I, as a physician, don't necessarily endorse the opinions or practices of my guests, and if you have particular questions that you'd like to consult with me directly about, please call our Headache Surgery Center. Our phone number is 805-969-9004, or you can email us at info at and my staff will set up a consultation and we can discuss your specific case over the phone or in person. Our website is filled with information as well, and that is headachesurgery.com. Thanks and best wishes from all of us here at the Headache 360 Podcast.